0: Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus said, talking about the sower, that, and we understand this parable to be about uh, how one receives the word of God. And it says, these are the ones, in verse number 18, sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Notice Jesus didn't say that it was riches. He said it was the deceitfulness of riches. And I also want you to notice that to one who has received the word and has put the word into practice, the word is producing. But he said while the the word is producing, he said other things can crop up, including the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Well, if having riches wasn't part of the blessing of having received the word, there would be no deceitfulness of riches. Amen? So riches go along with receiving the word of God, but we need to understand that it is not without danger. There are risks associated with the blessings of God. And in particular, more so I guess, it may be the only thing uh, in any other realm is in the realm of finances. Jesus warned about this, did he not? Go over to Luke chapter 12 and read with me. Luke chapter 12, verse number 15. He said, take heed and beware. What does beware mean? It means to look out for. Look out for covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. One motivation for this teaching that... uh, Uh, I I started a few weeks ago, is that in word of faith circles, there is often the sense, whether it's intentional or, or not, there is the sense sometimes that evidence of someone being strong in faith means that they're ever reaching for more and more things. And that having more and more and more and more and more and more is how you prove your faith. You know, when it comes to healing, uh, you're either healthy or you're sick. If you're not sick, you're healthy. If there's nothing wrong with you, you're healthy. Well, you can't get more healthy than healthy. You can't just keep going after greater and greater and greater health. Maybe you'll live to 120 and 180 and 200, 250. Just keep on living because you just keep using your faith. We don't do that. But when it comes to finances, there seems to be this message out there a lot of times that to be strong in faith, you just have to keep reaching for more and just gathering more stuff in, bigger stuff, more expensive stuff. We need to be reminded of what Jesus said, that a man's life does not consist In the abundance of the things which he has. Amen. And so let's look at some other scriptures. Go over to Mark chapter 10. Mark 10, verse number 23. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said children how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. Now we're not taking time today to to give all the context to these verses. We've read the context of every one of these passages in previous services, if you haven't been here, you can get the uh, and go online, and you can hear those messages. But most of you have have heard the context, so we're not going into all of that. But Jesus said, "It is hard, difficult for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of heaven." Go with me to First Timothy chapter six. First Timothy six. This is our the chapter that we used as a uh, text when we started this, and we're not going over all of that again this morning, verse number 17 says, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty. That word haughty means, there's this, the word haughty in the original Greek comes from, it's a compound word, it's made up of two words, and it comes from word one word, highly, and the other one, to think, highly to think. And so some translations re- render it naturally. Do not be high-minded, high-minded. Or the New King James says, haughty. That just simply means don't think that you're somebody when you're not. Don't think you're more highly of yourself than you ought to. Don't think you, you're, you're above other people is what he's saying, amen? And then he said, uh, nor to trust in uncertain riches. Again, he didn't say not to have riches. He didn't tell the rich in the present age to give everything away. He just said, tell them to not be conceited and not to trust in uncertain riches. Anything that's in this world is uncertain, anything that is of this world is uncertain. And, and it's easy for people who are blessed and who have a lot of money, it's easy for them to begin to trust in those riches. It's a very real, it's a very real thing, a very, a very uh, strong temptation. And we need to be mindful of that, isn't that right? And now in chapter 10 here, chapter six here in verse 10, he said that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Last week I started talking to you about uh, uh, how you can tell, you know, that, that uh, deceitfulness of riches, that you're being influenced by that. And I said today that I would talk about the love of money. What does the love of money look like on somebody? How can you tell if you are falling under the spell of the love of money? Let me start by saying this. You don't have to have a lot of money to be guilty of this. I know people who don't have anything and yet everything in life is about getting another dime. So you can be guilty of this sin and not have much. You can also have a lot and not be guilty of this. But, but this is pretty significant when you understand that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. There are a lot of evil things, a lot of destructive uh, things that can come into your life as a result of loving money. So, the love of money is wrong but but the but the big thing about it is it opens the door to a lot of other things that will really wreck your life. So, how do you know if if the love of money is beginning to take hold or you're beginning to yield to that or however you want to say it? How do you know that uh, you're even in the early stages of loving money? number one. You are anxious, everybody hear clearly that word anxious. You are anxious for more than you need. I said you're anxious for more than you need. In other words, you you have basic needs, but you're wanting more, but there's a striving about it. You're anxious for more and more and more. You know, some people are never satisfied. Some people are never satisfied with what they have. They always have to have more. And the problem is the anxiety, the gnawing, driving uh, 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 emotion that makes you dissatisfied with what you have you can't enjoy what you have because you just see somebody else and what they have and it just eats you up. You just, you just, and so you plot and you plan and you reach and you, and you do almost anything to get more. Well, you've come under the spell of the love of money. Now, go with me to Matthew 6 and let's dispel a few things about this so that we know what we're talking about. Matthew 6 Verse 25, Jesus said, I say to you, do not worry. I would say, do not be anxious. Remember the word anxious. Someone who has fallen under the spell of the love of money is anxious. He said, do not worry or be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? You ought to underscore that in your Bible. You're more important than the birds. News, Newsflash, you're more important to God than the birds. Amen. But he feeds all the birds. They ordinarily, unless you know, you're know, you in my neighborhood, when I was a kid, we had all of my friends, we had BB guns. Birds didn't live to a ripe old age a lot of times in my neighborhood. But ordinarily in the wild, they do because God feeds them. Isn't that right? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to a stature? Elevator shoes not included. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Might I add that Solomon was the richest man of his day and God made him prosper? Well, praise the Lord, it's another sermon. But anyway, if God so clothes the grass clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? You you consider the lilies. They're beautiful, aren't they? It's springtime around here. and We had a cold snap and kind of knocked things back a little bit. But uh, in the next few weeks, we're going to see nature display itself. Every time you see the wildflowers on the side of the road, I want you to be reminded that God wants you to look nice. God, God want, because he uses this as an example of clothing. So every time you see wildflowers and, and any other, you know, uh, planted, you know, in the landscape stuff, anytime you see pretty things in nature, just be reminded, God wants me to look good. Because he cares more about me than he does flowers. Amen. Amen. He said, if God so clothes the, the grass of the field, which today is, tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much, or will he not, much more, much more, much more clothe you, Oh, you of little faith. Does that sound like God will just give you a little bit? Does that sound like God will just provide for you, you know, a, a goodwill store budget? A hand-me-down budget. Now, I know a lot of, not a lot of people, I know some people who like to shop at Goodwill. I know there are people that just like to get those older, out-of-date clothes, you know. And and, and listen, if, if you like that, that's fine. But that's not that's not what God, that's not God's limitation. That's your just personal preference, and that's fine. But it says here that he will much more clothe you than he clothes the grass of the field. Therefore, do not worry or be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. What things? When he said, your heavenly father knows that you need all these things, what things were he talking? About? Was he talking about? What things were he talking about? What? Anyway, another one. Neither one of them sounds right. <laughs> what? What, what, were, what were the things? <laughs> what were the things? The things the Gentiles seek. It's in the same verse. After all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these. things. Things, these things the Gentiles seek. You know, you need things. God acknowledges that you need things. And much and, and things that are in the class of much more. Much more things, in other words, of, of greater uh quality and of greater design and more beautiful than which with which he clothes the fields and feeds the birds. More than that. God knows you need these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteous and all these things will be added to you. How many of these things? All these things. All these things will be added to you. Now, that doesn't mean some people present this, well, if you just put God first, you know, God will just take care of it. Listen, you'll still have to use your faith because everything is by faith. All of the blessings of God are there, but we have to lay hold of them with our faith. They don't just fall on us like ripe cherries falling on the ground. So when it says he will... uh That that he will give you all these things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. Yeah, but you still have to reach up and take them. Therefore, do not worry. Do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So anxiety is a failure to trust in God. That's what anxiety is. It's failure to trust God in the God who promises all these things. Hold your place here. Go back to to 1 Timothy, chapter six again, 1 Timothy six, holding your place there in Matthew, 1 Timothy six, where we were. Verse 17 says, command those who are rich in this age not to be high-minded or snobbish, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Notice he didn't say that it gives the rich people all things to enjoy. He says he the God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. God gives richly. Does he not? Says he does. In, in in Matthew, where we were reading, he said, he will much more clothe you. That's, that's more than just barely enough. And he says, your father knows that you need the things the Gentiles seek. And that all these things that the Gentiles seek will be added to you. I pointed out one time that generally speaking, When it it talks about the Gentiles, there's another word translated Gentiles, and it means the nations. In other words, natural people, unsaved people. And or we could say it like this, just ordinary people in the world. I've noticed, speaking of good year, goodwill, sorry. (laughs) Some things just come out and you think you listen to it and you think, what did I just say? Goodwill. Speaking of goodwill. I've noticed on Black Friday, there usually aren't hundreds of people standing out. Isn't that Black Friday the day after Thanksgiving? I, I've noticed there usually aren't hundreds and hundreds of people standing outside the Goodwill store. They're standing outside Macy's. Isn't that right? They're standing out of the stores with the new stuff. They're standing outside the the, the doors of, of the of the fancy places. And all manner of st- new stuff, good stuff. Now I know there are people who, who shop flea markets, garage sales. If you're into that, that's wonderful. But most people would rather have something new than something old. Most people would rather have a new car or one fairly new. If maybe you don't want to buy a brand new one because of depreciation, you think it's a better deal to get one you know that's a few months old, and and you know and, and uh, not take the hit, you know, on that. Uh, but most people's goal in life is not to drive a broken down automobile. Most people want a newer things. Isn't that what the Gentiles seek? Well, Jesus said, um, he said, I know and God your father knows you need all of those things. Now, those things today are different than those things in Jesus' day because they didn't have new models of, of, of carts coming out every year. Amen. And, and, and we, we live in such a blessed world where we have so much, but right at the same time, you can't keep up in this world if you don't keep up with the stuff. I mean, even if you have a broken down automobile, it's better than a cart. It's better than going to Gainesville in a horse-drawn buggy or a back of a donkey. Might not be as reliable, but... So we have a lot more, but it takes a lot more to stay up. And in any world, regardless of what, overall level of prosperity and and so forth and and material things that people have, whatever that world involves in whatever day and age, God knows you need those things. Isaiah first chapter verse 19 says if you are willing and obedient you'll eat the good of the land. Well the good of the land in in High Springs, Florida is better than the good of the land in Blantyre. Where was that? Malawi. Yeah. I'm telling you, we've been there. The good of the land is better than the good of the land there. But wherever you are, he says, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. That means drive the good, live in the good, have the good. You need to realize too, this is kind of off the, off the message a little bit, but you need to realize that prosperity is progressive. And if you'll be diligent and continue to do what is right and continue to have the right attitude, you will be blessed. You know, when you work for an employer, you usually work a, a, pay, a period of time and then you get paid after that period of time. If you get paid every week, you work a week and then you get paid. If you get paid every two weeks, you know, after that period of work, you get your your money. And when you get your paycheck on payday, then you work the next pay period in faith. You You work the next pay period trusting your employer to honor his word and to pay you for what you work. Now, if, if the end of the next pay period, if you've worked a week or two weeks or a month and your, and your boss comes and says, I'm not paying you, uh, you're not obligated to have faith in him. Isn't that right? Now, if, if the company's going through trouble and, and you feel led to stay with it, you know, and, and not give up, I talked last week, you know, my wife and I went for, uh, about six weeks, you know, without pay that time and and uh, and we've done it since then a couple of times you know we went out, went without pay because we we trusted the company <laughs> we believe we believed the company would 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 uh, would would come through now, actually, we never did take that did we get the, the makeup on that i don't know that we did I don't think we took the makeup i don't think we ever got that the six weeks we weren't paid i if I, if I remember right, I said no i've donated that. See to me, that was an opportunity to give. Yeah. I thought sometimes we got other times at, at different times of the years we got partial pay. You know, whenever you know we had to do that. But my point is, we had faith in the company. We didn't give up. Well, God doesn't settle up every Friday afternoon, like your employer is supposed to. God doesn't settle up at certain times. God requires us to walk in faith and to obey him. And he will provide all along. But I'm talking about getting into the, into the realm of abundance where you're really seeing big payoffs in your life. That takes time. God's not obligated to give you the hundredfold return next week. Most people, if you know anything about people who win the lottery, most people can't handle it. Well, amen. Praise the Lord. It's another story altogether. Glory to God. No, anxiety is a lack of trust in God who promised all these things. Now, God will lavishly supply more than you need when these things are not overly important to you because when they become overly important to you, they become a snare. Go with me over to Philippians chapter four. Philippians four. Now the background on this on this passage of scripture is the Philippians had entered into partnership with Paul and they had been sending regular financial support I don't know you know what the what the frequency of it was but according to this epistle in times past they had sent money to him to support him in his ministry but then something had happened and and they were not able he doesn't see really tell us what the problem was. But for some reason, they, there was a period of time, it's not because they didn't want to, but, but they were not able to get the money to him. It could have been, you know, he was in prison when he wrote this, so that might have been part of it. But uh, he said in uh, verse number chapter 4, verse number 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that, that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lack opportunity. Now, isn't that interesting? The same Paul who told us not to, to, to uh, for he who desires to be rich falls into a snare. See, people take scriptures out of, out of their setting and make it say something it doesn't say. Because the same Paul who said that we ought not trust in riches, that's what he told you know, uh, Timothy there, chapter six, he said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Sounds to me like he did his happy dance. Doesn't it? For now I rejoice in the Lord greatly. This man is happy. He got a care package and it thrilled him. He didn't set it aside and say, oh, now I can't afford to be thankful. I can't afford, I can't afford to act like I'm, I like this, you know. No, he, he was happy about it. He said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that, that uh, your package came. Not that I speak in, in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, that is to do without." And I know how to abound. That is to, do, to have plenty. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned the secret, so to speak. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. What is the secret? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well in that you shared with me in my distress. Notice going through a tough time he described as distress. The great apostle Paul. Listen, going through times of test and trial financially is not fun for anybody. I don't care if you're the apostle Paul or anybody or Steve Morgan. Isn't that right? You have done well that you shared in my distress, but now you Philippians, know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, that's tithes and offerings, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Now notice, he said, indeed I have all and abound I am full. Having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well pleasing to God, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Notice he says, I have all and abound, and I am full. Sounds to me like the offering he got was pretty good. Amen. Amen. Could have been that, they had, that all that they had been saving up and hadn't been able to get to him, they sent him all at one lump sum. We all like that, don't we? Amen. So, so I want you to see that the apostle Paul recognized that, that when, you, when you have to go without, it's not necessarily fun But at the same time, he said in any situation where I'm abased or I don't have much or when I have abundance, he must have known something about both of those. He he would not have learned the secret if he only knew how it worked in one part. He said, I've learned the secret of of how to be abased, how to do without. We, We see what happened there. Notice it didn't last very long, just a period of time. You have to have enough faith to go through a time of trial and not cash in on God, not throw in the towel. Yeah. Had somebody just tell me recently, I, you know, I, I give and give and give and nothing's ever happens. I don't ever receive anything. I just give, give, and give. And, and then they stop giving. Well, you know, and they're mad at me. I didn't promise you anything it was Jesus that said give and it'll be given to you good measure pressed down shaken together and running over Jesus said that I didn't say it why are you mad at me that Jesus didn't keep his word to you it's my fault that Jesus failed you no newsflash Jesus didn't fail you it's a lack of trust Amen. and besides that I don't just give to get that's not my highest motivation in giving. My highest motivation in giving is to be a blessing. So somebody somebody who stops tithing and stops giving because they didn't get enough tells me that their motive was wrong all along. Because even if there weren't any promises associated with it, the Bible still teaches us being generous and giving to other people. And even if there wasn't, like I said, a promise of of financial return, there would be spiritual return because anytime you obey God, you're gonna be blessed. So somebody who gives for a while and then gets mad because they didn't get anything back, well, no no wonder they didn't get anything back. Their motive was wrong at the get-go. Isn't that right? Well, praise the Lord. It's the truth. He said, uh, I've learned the secret and the secret is to be content. Go with me over to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13. I'm still on, I only have two, you'll be glad to know. But I'm only on one way to know that the love of money has gotten a hold of you. But I only have two points here, two ways. So I'm still on number one. Hebrews 13, did I tell you Where? Hebrews 13, verse number five. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. He said, let your conduct be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you so that you can say, listen, in the middle of of a financial tight spot, it matters what you say. Remember, Jesus said, do not worry saying what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? How am I gonna eat? How am I gonna pay my bills? How am I gonna do this? He said, do not, remember Matthew? Do not worry saying. Worry is released by saying. You might think it, don't dare say it. I said, you might think it, don't dare say it. I'm gonna say that again. You might think, what am I gonna do? You might think I'm going under. You might think I don't know that I, how I'm gonna pay my bills. Don't say it because when you do, you just took that worry. You just spoke that worry into existence and you stopped the hand of God right then because anything that's not of faith is sin. Well, here, where are we here? 13, what are you to say? The Lord is my helper. I will not fear the repo man. I will not fear the repo man. I will not fear going under. The Lord is my helper. What can the repo man do to me? <laughs> Amen. That's, that's a big difference. But notice, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. What does the word content mean? Well, let's go back one more time to 1 uh, Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter six won't be the last time, but one more time anyway. First Timothy six, verse number five. We we're kind of picking up in the in the middle of a thought here, but it's all right. Verse number five: Useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. That's really what I was talking about earlier. That's really what when I was talking about some people today present. You know the faith life as if you know if, if you're not getting more and more big if you, you know if you don't have a mercedes uh you know you're just not strong in faith, and if you have one, you better be believing for two or or a bentley and and, and, and if you have a Bentley, then you need something else you know, or you're never your, your faith isn't growing unless you're reaching for more and more stuff. Well, and that's not true. That's supposing godliness is a means of gain from such withdraw yourself. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. I saw a picture not long ago, just something funny occurred to me. I saw a picture not too long ago and it was a hearse, you know, like a funeral hearse. And it was obviously something it wasn't an active funeral home if somebody had bought this but they got this hearse has got the it's got the curtains in the windows and everything and on the back of this hearse they had a U-Haul trailer and they were going through town and the caption says well I guess you can take it with you after all you know (laughs) no the truth is you can't take it with you amen it's certain that we brought nothing into this world and it's certain we can take nothing out and having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Now, the word content today, I didn't look it up, I intended to and I got distracted. Uh, you, somebody got to have a dictionary on your iPad, look up content for me. What does content mean? You got it, Zach? It's out loud real loud in a state of peaceful happiness in a state of peaceful happiness said it uh, or a state of satisfaction or to be satisfied a state of, of satisfaction what was the first one a state of peaceful happiness peaceful happiness satisfaction and uh that's it just to be, okay. sa- to be satisfied to be satisfied a lot of people have the idea that you can, you can interpret and in one way that people look at contentment, that just simply means I'm okay. I don't have much, but I'm okay with little. I don't care if I ever have you know anything. This is my lot in life. This is what I have. I have to accept this and just be content with it. That's not what the Greek word that's translated content, that's not what that Greek word means. The Greek word that's translated content and contentment is uh, a word that the stoic uh, cults of the day were very familiar with and something that they advocated and it meant to live independently of circumstances to live independently of circumstances in other words to live with no without letting circumstances dictate your life, to be independent of what's going on around you. And it was one of the the, the key uh, uh, parts of the stoic life of the day. And that's the word that the Holy Spirit chose to use through the Apostle Paul. He said we are to be content independent of circumstances around us. That's what Paul meant when he said, I've learned the secret of contentment. I've learned how to be independent of what's going on around me when I have little and when I have a lot. When it looks like it's not coming in and my support's cut off and I don't know who's gonna pay the bills or when it looks like, like it looked when he got this care package and he opened it up and it was a lavish gift. He said, in in either situation, I've learned to be independent of that. How can you live independent of that? I can do all things, he said, through Christ who strengthens me. That was the secret. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So the point of contentment is not like we often use the word today, just being peaceful and being satisfied with little no, we we ought to we ought to aspire to have everything God says is ours. Isn't that right? We ought to, he it says God gives to all live, liberally or generously? Well, if he does, I mean, I'm his child too. You're his child too. If he gives to all richly all things to enjoy, well, it's it's right then to expect him to give you richly all things to enjoy. So we need to be using our faith to reach for the things that we need to live life prosperously. Now, there there has to be a balance between wanting the the things that the Gentiles seek in sufficient uh, number to be able to have all your needs met and to get, see, this is the key, this is This is prosperity, having enough that all your needs are met and you've got plenty left over to be a blessing to someone else and you're actually doing that. Not having enough to give and not giving, but but living your life to have enough to have all your needs met drive what you want to drive, live in a nice house, have nice clothes, you know, have the good things of life because God gives us richly all things to enjoy. Have plenty of that and have plenty left over to give to somebody else. But not have this gnawing anxiety in you that that nothing you have is ever enough because you just gotta have more stuff and you and you feel like the more you can accumulate around yourself, that somehow validates your faith. That's not what the Bible teaches. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. <clears throat> that's 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 one indication that you're anxious for more than you need. Well, praise the Lord. I'll just stop with one. <laughs> I only have one more, praise the Lord. Well, glory to God. Does that, does that help you? Yeah. Amen. God wants you to be blessed. Yeah. But he wants you to have a vision that's bigger than your own blessing. When you when you know someone in in your church family has a need, be open to God to helping them with that need. You don't need anybody to tell you to. Amen. If you know somebody that's in the church and you know they're struggling, you know, well, I only have a little. Well, a little help. A little help. A little from you and a little from somebody else, a little from somebody else, a little from somebody else, from somebody else. ends up to be a lot. Live to give. Oh, glory to God. Amen. Go, go with me over, and we'll, we will close with this. This isn't another point. this just illustrates a little bit further. Go to to uh, second Corinthians second Corinthians chapter eight or chapter nine, sorry. Verse number one says, now concerning the ministering to the saints is superfluous for me to write to you. For I know your willingness... Which about which I boast of you to the Macedonians that Achaia was ready a year ago and your zeal has stirred up the majority. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest my, my boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that, as I said, you may be ready. Lest, if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to, to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised that it might be ready as a matter of generosity and not as of grudging obligation. I, is Did the older King James say lavish gift? It was a, matter of bounty. a matter of bounty. One translation says, therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your, what? What's the, the, the first part of that verse? Chapter five. Uh, verse number five. Your bounty, your bounty. That, that, that's, not, that's not a little, that's a lot. I said, that's not a little, that's a lot. But notice the lot came from a lot of people. He went, out, when he went on to say, I don't want some people to be burdened and other people you know to be excused he said it needs to be an equal sharing and so when you see somebody that has a need help them if you just have a few dollars just say you know I know this isn't much but but this is what I have I want to be a blessing to you it's a way of life my wife and I started out with a little but God has blessed us to the point that we can do a little more now but our heart was always to do more when we were doing little.